0: Hello, and welcome to Tabs Not Spaces. It's Saturday, October 3rd, and this is what you need to know today. After receiving a significant donation from Amateur Radio Digital Communications, the Software Freedom Conservancy has announced a shift in its strategy towards IoT enforcement. The first pillar of its new approach appears to be the adoption of a far more aggressive stance towards enforcement action. With Conservancy's Bradley Kuhn stating that unrelenting enforcement that holds companies accountable is needed to see widespread GPL compliance in the Internet of Things space. And of the $250,000 grant that Conservancy has been promised, $100,000 is specifically earmarked for supporting the organization's legal activities. The remainder of the donation will help Conservancy with the second pillar of its strategy, with the organization looking to become far more involved in the development of free firmware alternatives for IoT devices where none currently exist. And to round out Conservancy's new approach, the organization plans to collaborate with others to promote copyleft compliance as a positive selling point to consumers by playing on their concerns about functionality and privacy. The open source initiative has faced a number of calls in recent years to consider revising the open source definition. The 10 principles of the definition form the bedrock of what the OSI considers to be a genuine open source license, and are an amended form of words that were originally adopted from the Debian project. But the definition has lately come under attack from at least two different directions, with projects looking for protection from exploitation by hyperscale cloud vendors, and those seeking to include social equity terms into their licenses, both characterizing it as being far too restrictive. And while these debates have been simmering for a while, a new blog post by Red Hat lawyer Richard Fontana may help bring matters to a head. After discussing the background issues, Fontana attempts to weigh up the pros and cons of revising the text of the open source definition in light of the changes within society and industry since it was drafted, and concludes by arguing that it should be. And while Fontana's post is presented as being his own personal opinion, it's hard not to see it as a proxy for Red Hat itself arguing for a change in the community's approach to open source licensing. Ubuntu has released the final beta of its upcoming interim release. Like the Fedora beta earlier in the week, Ubuntu's is based on version 5.8 of the kernel, with Gnome 3.38 taking pride of place for the main version of the distribution. Ubuntu's various flavors have released betas of their own and the project is still currently working towards seeing the final release delivered before the end of the month. Mozilla has been back in the news, with a flurry of self-promoting blog posts over the last few days. The organization has launched a campaign with the infantile slogan of unf*** the internet. Which it's using as an overarching theme to bring together various tools and activist initiatives. And as if to confirm that this isn't merely a passing phase before Mozilla settles back down and starts concentrating on technology again, the organization is also currently advertising for a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant to work with the leadership of the Mozilla Foundation and to help drive further organizational change. GitLab has sold Gitter, its open source chat and social networking platform, to the company behind the Matrix Messaging Protocol. While GitLab has said that the sale will allow it to concentrate more on its core business activities, for its part Element has promised to be a good custodian of the 1.7 million users that it's just inherited. The company doesn't plan to make any immediate sweeping changes to Gitter, but intends to work to bring its own client into feature parity before attempting to unify the two platforms and standardize all of its users on a single software stack. The Kronos Group has released version 3 of its OpenCL specifications. The move doesn't so much mark a step forward as one back, as the new specifications are largely just a restatement of those that the group put forward in version 1.2, almost nine years ago. With industry adoption of its later two-series specification patchy to say the least, the Kronos group decided to retrench and make later additions optional for compliance, meaning that code based around the older version 1.2 should be able to run unchanged under the new version 3. And to coincide with the launch of the new specifications, Intel has released an updated version of its Intercept layer for OpenCL applications, which can be used to help developers debug and profile OpenCL API calls. It's October again, which for some means the dread of knowing that come the end of the month, hordes of ignorant teenagers are going to turn up on their doorstep trying to score free candy. But for others, it means that hordes of ignorant teenagers are going to turn up on their GitHub repositories, trying to score a free t-shirt from DigitalOcean. And while there's long been a bit of pushback in the developer community about Hacktoberfest, it felt like this year a corner had been turned, with even the mainstream tech press starting to cover the myriad of complaints plastered across social media. Now, only a couple of days into the month-long event, DigitalOcean has responded, by making the competition something that repository maintainers have to actively opt into. Where previously any public repo on GitHub was considered fair game, Now only those that have specifically added a Hacktoberfest topic tag will be considered part of the event. Additionally, pull requests will need to be merged or marked as approved by a maintainer before they get to count towards any swag from DigitalOcean. And finally, the tensions that have been swirling around the LibreOffice project since well before the recent controversy over marketing and commercialization have resulted in a major change. Collabora has long been the largest contributor to LibreOffice Online, the server and cloud-based version of the Office suite, and produced around 95% of the code commits for that part of the project over the last year. While Collabora attempts to fund that development through the sale of support contracts, it believes that the Document Foundation risks undercutting its efforts, leaving the company in a financially untenable position. In an effort to differentiate the brands and their respective offerings, Collabora has now decided to reclaim ownership of its contributions to the LibreOffice online codebase and host and develop it itself. Since it's open source code, it's possible that the Document Foundation could simply merge any future updates and attempt to carry on as if nothing had changed, but that would likely prove to be incendiary for an already fraught relationship. While Collabora has made the first public move in attempting to resolve the long-standing differences between the two organizations, it's unlikely to be the last, and how the Document Foundation responds could prove pivotal to the future of LibreOffice. And that wraps things up for now. There's more about today's stories in the show notes, And you can visit our website at tabsnotspaces.com to read a full transcript of the podcast or to contact the show. And please do leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts if you use it, as it really helps others find us. We'll be back on Wednesday.